0: The podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step by step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co founders of Cabalia. One of the trainers I've learned a lot from is the canine trainer Kay Lawrence. And last week, we were talking about an experiment that Kay did several years ago with three of her dogs. She taught each dog the same behavior, but she used three different teaching strategies. So the dogs were taught to go out around a cone. And one dog was taught with free shaping, another with targeting, and a third with food luring. And then Kay presented videos of each of the dogs performing the finished behavior. She presented the videos at the Art and Science of Animal Training Conference and she challenged all of us to say which dog had been trained with which method. And you couldn't tell. You really couldn't tell. So Kay, as we were talking about the experiment and wondering if you know if it could be replicated, what would happen if somebody else did it, Kay made this wonderful comment. She said the experiment worked because she was equally skilled in all three methods. Now, on the surface, it seems like a very brash statement to make. But it did make me think, could I make the same statement? Am I equally skilled across a variety of teaching strategies? Or have I gotten stuck in a bit of a rut where I rely mainly on the same shaping recipes? It was a useful question to consider, and it was a challenge to myself to really look at my training and to make sure that I climbed out of whatever ruts I happened to have fallen into. That's where we stopped last time. We stopped with the description of this question, and Kay's challenge to all of us in terms of what is our skill level across a variety of shaping strategies. So that's where we stopped and it's where we're going to pick up. And we'll see where this question takes us. It, and there were various, there were lots of discussions around this. And could could you replicate it with a different trainer and all the rest of it? And Kay's comment was so wonderfully Kay. She said, well, I don't know how it would work with, some, with other trainers, but it worked for these dogs because I'm equally skilled in all three <laughs> shaping. Okay. <them." laughs> right. I was just so, but, you know, I I heard that and I thought, huh, could I make that same statement? Am I equally skilled, equally Mm. skilled using three different teaching strategies? Or do I tend to lean more on one versus Mm. another? And it gets to some of the, like the degrees of freedom, where that whole example with the degrees of freedom that Joe Lang talks about, where you have the and the example that's always given is this this uh, high school student who's a captain of the debating team and he's this brilliant 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 at debating so he's he's made captain and he's just he's heads and shoulders above everyone else on the team but he has no social skills whatsoever so at lunch nobody wants to sit near him because he has no social skills He's not particularly athletic, so he's not on any of the, the team sports, the after-school team sports. He's not invited to the dances, you know, nothing. The only thing he has is debating. And so he's basically forced to become better and better and better at debating because that's the only thing he has. Mm-hmm. And, yet, and his teammates they're good at debating but they're also they've got social skills so at lunch they they're sitting next to one another they've got other people who want to uh who, have, who are friends with them they get invited to the school dance they're on the soccer team the you know basketball team whatever it is so they have lots of degrees of freedom they have more choices and they're much happier mm-hmm. and it always made me think of the tennis player um he begins with an a um
1: mm-hmm. Mm. I think I know who You're you mean but I won't be able to help you yeah.
0: <laughs> right now. He, he wrote he wrote he wrote his autobiography uh which he called one and it was really interesting because he hated tennis. Hated tennis. Wimbledon champion mm. H- Agassi. Ah, thank you. That's his, <laughs> yes, yes, Agassi. You know I could see the spelling but I couldn't get to the pronunciation. Mm. And it was so interesting to read his autobiography because his father forced him to practice tennis. He wasn't allowed to go hang out with the other kids. He had, after school, he had to go home and his father had built this machine in the backyard that would lob tennis balls Mm. at him. And he hit hundreds, hundreds of tennis balls over the course of of a practice Mm. session. And it was the only thing he was good at, He couldn't do anything else. So he just had to keep getting better and better at playing tennis. But he Mm -hmm. hated tennis. And so, I mean, that's sort of an extreme example. But you start thinking about your own training. You know, if you tend to uh, really like targeting, so you get really, really, really good at targeting, and you can do some very clever things with targeting, but maybe you're not as skilled in free shaping, or you're not as skilled in shaping on a point of mm-hmm. contact. And those are also useful. So I think it's, it's good every now and then to sort of pause for a moment and say, have I become overly reliant on one type of teaching strategy mm-hmm. and left some other things out of the picture. And so I think that's one of the values of going back to the basics of these foundation lessons and to say, well, you know, I've always taught it this way, whatever this way Mm -hmm. happens to be. But now let let me teach it a completely different way. In part, just to hone my skills at using... Other teaching strategies. So I can make that statement that came but in. But you know, even if you,
1: let's say you want to stay inside shaping, even inside that strategy, you could have different, uh, different ideas of how to teach
0: it. But it's all shaping. Yeah, it's all shaping. But well. Right. So if you yeah. say, if you say, you know, if, if what I'm going to do is. Yeah,
1: because targeting is shaping
0: too. Yeah. 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 It's all shaping. If I said, I am, I am the queen of targeting, mm-hmm. I can target, you know, I, I teach everything with targeting.
1: And of course, when we say targeting, it's not just targeting an object, like be body targeting or because targeting can be pretty wide.
0: Targeting is right. And when you start, actually when you start looking at what targeting is, you could say that working on a lead rope is that, yeah, mat work can be foot targeting on a mat. Right, and and when you are using a lead rope, it's really a tactile target, right. which is really mm-hmm. fun when you start seeing, so it's you start seeing this convergence.
1: Yeah, you can see targeting everywhere if you start being obsessed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because it's... Right. So you could say, I'm really good at this particular approach mm-hmm. to training, but I haven't paid as much attention, perhaps, as I could to environmental setup. You know, I've relied on on this skill set, and I haven't paid that much attention to how I arrange the environment to make the Answer just so easy and obvious and pop out. So
1: a good example of that would be, let's say you want to teach your horse to, or you you hear that a lot with dogs too, when they're healing, they want, they should be in a straight line in, in, um, in relation to their owner, their handler. And so you can, you know, kind of micromanage the front and the back and, you know, or, another way to teach it would be Michelle Pouliot's idea of the platforms. Yes. That's another way to teach yeah. the same thing. You know, you, yeah, you could have managed that, you know, his butt is a little bit out too much outside. So you bring it back, but the platform is another idea on how to teach it. And so it's, I think it's, it's really good to get us out of uh,
0: stuckness
1: to half that question yes. about how What are the other ideas? How could I teach this completely differently?
0: Yeah, we get so stuck in a a rut. And I will often say at clinics, when we have a range of, we have people who are really experienced, have been around horses for decades. And then you have somebody else who's a complete Mm -hmm. novice. And often that complete novice will be feeling really insecure. You know, it's like, oh, what am I doing here? You know, we've just gone through the intros and this person has been riding for 30 years and that person's been writing for 40 years and I've been writing for four weeks and and I feel really insecure. And we say, no, 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 you, you know, you're going to uh, come up with ideas that we haven't even thought of because, because you don't know that you can't do Mm -hmm. it that way. You know, that you'll, you're going to see things and see possibilities that we might not see because we've gotten in a particular rut, yeah. as it will were. And
1: yeah, it's, it's great to get ideas from other trainers on how they train things, because, you know, so like the, it, the expression, every road leads to Rome. Yes. So it's, um, it's, it's good to get inspired.
0: Yeah. You know, all, ro- all roads lead to Rome really means that, we have to know the starting place because your starting place is going to be different from my starting place. And that goes back to the discussion of repertoires. What do we have in repertoire? What is the starting point? And what is, you know, we often think in terms of repertoire of, well, what are all the good things that we've already taught Mm -hmm. our horse? But repertoire is also what sits in the horse's, History that that horse is bringing into the training. And you've certainly seen from all the horses that were at the retirement farm and and in the Kavalya shows that the horses came from such diverse backgrounds that Mm -hmm. the starting points were very different. You might, you had horses that were foals when they started, and other horses who had had quite a lot of handling experience. And that handling experience is sometimes superb. Sometimes the handling experience is is not so good. But all of that is the starting point for today. Even your own horse.
1: You know, last week when I got my horses, they gave me something they never, ever gave me. You know, I, I think by now I'm pretty good at reading them. So it's spring, yeah. right? Yeah, And when I got Woody, I could feel that his, he was like, his level of energy was really high. So I, my plan for that day, I didn't do what I was going to do because I thought, oh man, what's, you know, why is he like that? You know, he's, he's explosive. Yeah. So we did our training session and then I got Bonanza. and. I didn't get that feeling, you know, that he was going to explode like a little champagne um, cork. uh, What do you call that? You you know, um, what do you call the the, the cork, cork. like a champagne cork? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I start and I have all this on video, which is great because I'm going to have to rewatch this. But we start, we do all kinds of very calm things and he's super focused and he's doing everything. And all of a sudden, I just want us to trot a little bit together. And my cue to trot is I don't use my hands. All I do when I cue him to trot, I just pick up my pace a little bit. I don't don't explode. I barely increase my uh, pace, you know. So yeah. I do one or two steps, poof, he explodes <laughs> like a champagne cork. And I'm like, what? Like he really is like come from? off the ground. He's yeah. never done that. Like I said, I have to rewatch. I watched a little bit on my iPhone afterwards, and I couldn't really understand what happened. I'm going to re-watch it again because I have to understand what happened. So we just, I stopped. We didn't trot this. this I'm not on the horse. I'm next to the horse. Okay, I'm on the ground. Yeah. So we finished the session. He does everything super calm, very good, very nice. But, you know, afterwards I thought, what? What was that? You know, and there's a new mare that just arrived in the barn. And it's, I don't know if that's the reason, there's a new mayor. she was right next to them, uh, the next paddock next to them. I don't know if it was the first time she was there, but both of my gildings were <laughs> like champagne corks, you know, they were really, yeah. so even my, your own horse, you know, one day, the starting point may be different. Because there were things Absolutely. in the environment that were different. I'm not sure what it is right now. I'm going to investigate it and look at it. And might be interesting for you to look at that video one day. I'll keep it. So you can maybe yes. you'll see things that I'm not seeing. But I was really, really surprised. Because he's usually a yeah. very... Um, really calm horse and Woody can sometimes be like that, you know, like he'll if I ask him to run, he'll shake his head like that on both sides. And I know he's kind of excited today, but I've never seen Bonanza do that. You know, it's it's, it's kind of joyful. But at the same time, in the case of Bonanza, I thought, oh, okay, I have to be careful with this. So we're gonna calm yeah. things down for the rest yeah. of the session. Um, because this if if I if I were not someone who can read horses very well, this could have gone way out of hand in 30 seconds. Yeah.
0: Because he's he's not no. one of those <laughs> let me bounce off the wall. Not type at of all. Horses. On
1: the opposite, on the contrary. No. You know, I've some people have said to me before I got him that he was a very cold horse. But if you'd seen him last week, I don't think they would have said he was a cold horse. Anyway, but all this no. big parenthesis to say that that starting point even for your own horse may be different from you know what, what it was yesterday.
0: Absolutely, you said it's spring. I mean that's yeah. a real key right there because right now we're I'm in that the phase of opening the gates out to the mm-hmm. field and. That definitely causes a change in behavior, uh, and it's it's one that ripples through their energy levels for several days because it's it's exciting. The gate is open. I mean, there's there's such funny creatures. In the winter, there's a stretch of time where I keep the gates to the fields closed. It just gives the fields chance to rest. The horses have plenty of room to move around. They don't need to be out on the grass, uh, destroying the, the grass during the real mud season. But a, a week or so ago, I opened the gate for the first time, and Robin, was he was just beside himself. He was... He went out, and he didn't know what to do first. Should I should I run? Should I rear? Should I spin? Should I roll? Should I do all, all at once, only I don't know how to do it all at once? And and, and Fengord made this huge dash across the field, came dashing back, and then they ran back and into, not the, into the barn. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're not babies. They're adult horses. Very much so.
1: You know, the other day I saw something that I've, I've been in the country now for over 10 years. And so there's lots of deers in my area and I've been observing deers no. forever. But uh, not long ago, like probably, I don't know, 10 days ago, there there are these two, there's this group of deers. There are about eight, I think, and there are two babies. And one of the babies was like, he was like a little baby dog you know he was spinning around he was <laughs> jumping over fences at the beginning i thought oh something's wrong with him he must have stepped on something and he's he's not well i mean he you know um i think you have a there's a word you have in english like a, the zoom, um like they they zoom around like crazy dogs do that sometimes but I'd never seen yep. a deer do that. You know, deer are usually pretty laid back and they don't move a lot. And But he could stop and the other baby would sometime participate in this. And this lasted for a good five minutes, nonstop. I thought, I mean, he's got good cardiovascular exercise today, this yes. deer. But I had never seen a deer yep. so playful, so expressive. Um, and then he just stopped. So he was fine. He he hadn't you know huh. he hadn't stepped on anything or his you know he was fine. He just stopped and right. they started grazing again. So <laughs> environment's a big thing, yep. uh, That I think spring is a big uh, is a big environment it, change. So it will have an effect. It can have an effect.
0: Yes, on behavior. It will have an effect, and and because I know this, you know, I saw them having this this wonderful out of of joy and i was very careful to monitor when we went Mm. in together to play Um, where's your head today you know Mm. uh where's your head today and and i didn't just assume that i had the horse that i'd had the previous day before i opened the gate and i think we always have to take Mm. that into account in our training of who are you today and and it's so easy i know there are times in the training, you know, I'd have this wonderful ride. Oh, finally, I've got the it. The next figured day. Out. You know, and yeah, oh, the next day. We've all been there. And of there. course, what you want to do, yeah, what mm, you want yeah. to do is pick up exactly where you left off <laughs> at the end of the previous day. But, but of course, there are, but, because there are a number of things that, have happened one is because you had a good training session the day before your learner has evolved and changed and your learner has learned from that experience and you're not you're not starting with the same individual that you were Mm -hmm. training the day before this is a different individual who's uh who has now this, uh, this cumulative experience that includes what you did the day before. And all of that has to be factored in mm. or the, uh, when you're working with multiple animals and you're working along say similar lines. So you're, you're working on, uh, the same general exercise with each, each one. So the first one you come out and you, do the work, and the second one, you come out, You do mm. the work, and the third one, you come out. And it's so easy to just say, oh, well, you let's just skip to mm. the end. You should know this by now, right. because I've already done it three times today. Yeah, those are those are challenges. All of that, you know, when you say, what is the criterion, which sort of weaves this back to the start of this conversation, I don't really think in those terms. So I, I'm not I'm not starting out saying, this is going to be my criterion. I'm starting out saying, what is my baseline um, today for this exercise that we may have been working on recently? So right now I'm doing a lot with uh, one of my favorite exercises, which is one that's done against the wall. You've seen me do it with the horses where you're having the horses... They're against the wall, and you have them turn. So now they're facing in the opposite direction. So they're, they were facing towards the far end of the arena, and now they step across, step across, step across into a, a half-circle turn around you, and they're facing in the opposite direction. I love that exercise. It's one of those, the longer you stay with an exercise, the more good things you see that it gives you. So it's, it's every day I'm, you're starting off, and you're saying, okay, where, where are we today? And, and what begins to be exposed are the new more other things that this exercise is giving you. But I don't go in saying, this is my criterion. I go in saying, let's play with this. And, oh, look, look what's there today that wasn't there yesterday. That's so
1: interesting, you know, because I always make a point of knowing what I'm going to click before I go in. You know, I try to define what behavior is, what will trigger reinforcement so that I'm, you know, moving forward
0: and that I'm clear. So it's, it's. So that's, so that is interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's two very different approaches. So how does that work? Well, so I, you're, I just... you're, uh, you're about to go in and work with, with pick a horse, Bonanza, Woody, it doesn't matter. And, and you've, Picked an ex, a starting point exercise, I assume. So, what it, what is your thought as you're prepping? Trying to get to uh, to think of an
1: example. Well, you know, if I'm teaching duration, I kind of already will decide what my average is going to be uh, before I go in, and it's not the same number okay. for both horses because they're not they're not at the same level. Woody's usually ahead because he's so smart. (laughs) No, because I think he's, he's, he's (laughs) worked with me longer. So it just goes very quickly with him. But I I do, I try to have a clear idea of what my criteria is going to be so that my clicks are right on. You know, that I'm not doing just because clicks or that I'm keeping it very clear. Because my So maybe this is why I'm doing it like that, too, is because I think if it's not clear in my mind, if I haven't decided what's successful rep, what's an unsuccessful rep. There are many reasons why I do this. First of all, it's because I want it to be clear in my own mind. I want to see it in my mind before. Then I also want to have because when I do my planning, I always do troubleshooting. What if it doesn't happen? What if this this behavior that I have defined as my goal today doesn't happen? What do I do? So I don't know. It just helps me. I guess maybe because you've been doing it for so long, you don't need to to be as precise before you go in. But I find that it helps me to, um, to have that clarity and to be able to react on the spot and know when I'm not getting... Uh, you know what I was planning for. I can't. I can't cheat with myself. You know because I've I've mm. defined it already.
0: And if it doesn't go to plan, what are some of your call them exit strategies? Well,
1: um, well, the exit strategy. If it doesn't go according to plan, because the criteria, the previous ones have been clearly defined, it's easy for me to go back to a point where the horse was successful because I remember exactly what the various criterions were. Otherwise I may go to an easier rep just for, because sometimes I don't think you need to pause or make a break every time things don't go according to plan. Sometimes just going to another easier behavior and coming back is, is, is enough, it's okay. They will have had time to... So if, if it doesn't go well many times in a row, then I'll stop, you know? But s- sometimes I'll give it another try and see if it's, um, if, if we are, if the, the horse has, well, is, 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 uh, is actually reaching my criteria or not. And then sometimes I'll stop because I want to change something in the environment or I want to have a think. Uh, because it was too big of a step, or I want to watch the video, because I'm not sure why, what, what it is that they're not, you know, what it is that is not facilitating the behavior. So, yeah, yeah, well, usually, the main strategy for me is to go back to when they were successful, you know, so, yeah, maybe it's where we started, maybe it's a little bit you know, in between step intermediate step, but I'll, I'll go on the path when ju- so just before they made the mistake.
0: That's where I'll go back. Yeah. So a lot of it is noticing a lot of it. The training is really becoming very aware of your study of one, how they express frustration, confusion, I'm getting tired, Uh, you know, what does, what does getting tired look like for Woody? What does getting tired look like for Bonanza? It may not be the same. No, it may not. You know, uh, what does frustrated look like for Bonanza? What does frustrated look like for Woody? They may express frustration in very different ways.
1: Even, you know, sometimes I I can tell when Woody is, it's not that he's frustrated, but he's finding it not as easy. You know, I can tell with his ears, of course, the ears usually is more towards frustration. Um, So yeah, one thing for one horse, maybe, you know, how they express the fact that they're finding the puzzle hard or not, you have to that's part of the relationship that you these are things you discover
0: as you work with your horse i think we'll stop here for today there's some fun things to chew on in this conversation how do you begin a training session do you just plunge in and hope for the best do you plan ahead as dominique does do you begin by asking your horse who are you today What is my starting point today? How do you begin a session? And how well do you read your horse? Do you know how your study of one horse expresses frustration, enjoyment, confusion, enthusiasm? What does that look like in your individual horse? Do you know how to regroup if your training goes off the rails? How quickly do you notice that you need to make a change? Does it have to be a total train wreck before you realize that something is wrong? Or does your reading of your study of one learner mean that you're adjusting at the micro level so that you don't get major disturbances in your training? These are all interesting and useful questions to think about. And so as you're listening to this podcast and taking uh, care of your horses through the week, give it some thought and see what you would be answering if I was interviewing you for for this podcast. How would you be describing your training? That would be actually sort of a fun thing to do, to have some of our listeners come and join us and we could ask all of these questions and see what creative, interesting responses we get. To give that some thought. Anyway, before I bring this podcast to a close, I'm going to put in a plug for my new stay-at-home, learn-at-home clinics. I launched them in March, and we have just a great group who have started into the Getting Started Clinic. I've asked everyone to begin at the beginning, so you can't jump in to the seventh or eighth clinic thinking, oh, that sounds like fun. Let me, let me jump straight to the end. It's like, Reading a good book, you, I'm not going to let you open the book to the end and see who, you know, a detective novel to see who who did it. We have to start at the beginning, um, because that's really it's in the beginning where you really you really develop the details that are going to carry you forward through the rest of your training. That's the function of the foundation. All these little details that you can explore and develop because the behaviors that you're working with are still fairly simple. We're looking at backing and head lowering, but even backing, backing through a square, which is what we looked at in our last online coaching session. There's so many details in just that simple, what seems like a simple behavior, but it's not. So in this in our last uh, live coaching session that we did in the course, everyone worked on that exercise and sent in video. And oh, it was so much fun because there were so many elements that were revealed that really mattered to the horses. And it was especially fun doing this with a group that had this mix of experienced trainers and people are fairly new to the work. And and I I really enjoyed how involved the experienced trainers were in this project because I think they appreciate more than anybody. They appreciate the details. They know the difference that it makes to the horses. And so this this review, this going back into the core elements is, I mean this is this is where excellence comes from. This review of the basics. That's why mastered musicians practice scales for their entire life. So it was really fun in his coaching session to uh, deconstruct the deconstructions. That's really what we were doing. And, and we could see the horses change. Very neat. Really neat. So anyway... Uh, I'm clearly having fun with these clinics, and and I think the people who are are participating are as well. If you want to learn more about the stay-at-home, learn-at-home clinics, do visit my website, theclickercenter.com. There you'll see full descriptions of the clinics. I describe in detail how they work, and also you'll read the full syllabus of each of the courses. So there's a there's a lot of material online to describe these clinics. And I hope you'll join us. And in the meantime, as you listen to this podcast, enjoy your your horses, enjoy your training, and we'll see you next week.